There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Gentry Estes, joined by Tennessean Titans beat writer Ben Arthur. Uh, we are back from Seattle. A long trip over the weekend watching the Titans somehow win a game 33-30 over the Seahawks in overtime. Big win, season-changing kind of win. Everything looks a little different after week two than it did after week one. And we overreacted. I think we can safely say that everyone overreacted about the Titans after week one. I think we, uh, I'm not saying we owe apologies to Julio Jones, Todd Downing, Shane Bowen. Let's see who this else. goes on and on. Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, so it was, uh, it, it was a, it was an everybody shut up kind of game for the Titans. And so we're going to review that. We're going to look at, uh, some players uh, we've got five of them ranked here, Ben players who uh, are going to need to tighten up here as we move along. These aren't necessarily guys who are underachieving, but they're guys. The Titans are going to have to get a lot more out of starting with this week's game against the Indianapolis Colts and the Colts come in, Ben, Owen two going to be a desperate team looking to stay alive in, uh, in the AFC South and they may not have their quarterback. Absolutely, Gentry. And, you know, before we kind of get going, did want to give you a, a birthday shout out. Uh, it's it's a belated, you know, birthday for you, Mike Rabel. Uh, I got actually, my cookie. Got my cookie. Yeah, today. Mike Rabel, Coach Rabel actually <laughs> gave Gentry a cookie before uh, we're recording this on Wednesday. But before the press conference today, Rabel gave Gentry a, a cookie and said happy birthday to Gentry. So, so that was kind of a cool moment. He did the same thing for our friend Teresa Walker over at the Associated Press as well. Um, I, I know. So, I, I think it's going to guilt everyone into getting their birthday cookie just because Teresa got hers. <laughs> and actually, today wasn't even my birthday, but I wasn't there. I was still in Seattle on Monday, and um, I sent uh, I sent a message in and said, "Hey, you know, I'm going to get my cookie." Just kidding. I told him I was just kidding, and then Brable ended up bringing. Uh, and you know what? It was good. Really you know, I, I should I should do that, too, because my birthday was like a month ago. And so I should maybe send Robbie a text. Uh, Robbie Bourne, who's, you know, the great, you know, Titans PR guy, um, should send him a text. Hey, you know, my birthday was a month ago. Can I get a, get a cookie, too? That cookie looked delicious. So I was kind of jealous. Good cookie. Sure. It, sprinkles, you know, kind of a vanilla. It was good. It's really good. Yeah, the whole shebang. So super jealous. But let's kind of get into this. Um, into this episode. So to kind of, Gentry, we have to break down this overtime thriller by the Titans in, in Seattle to, to start off. Man, we, we did, that, that was such a drastic uh, change um, of events in that second half, you know, started with uh, Derek Henry. And, and I think, as you mentioned, when we started recording, I think a lot of us just overreacted to Week one, as people tend to do after one game into the NFL season, and and something we had to remember was that these Mike Rabel teams are so good at responding after double-digit losses, eight and two after double-digit losses, heading into uh, Seattle um, last Sunday, and you know just another example of them just responding. Whatever it is about the mentality, the makeup of this team, they just know how to respond. And and they didn't start in Seattle great, right? They they were down 20, 24-9 at half, fifteen point deficit. Derrick Henry just 
did what we've seen him do so many times, put the team on his back and, and just wore this Seahawks defense out. Three touchdowns, that long 60-yard run. Man, that was that, that was nuts. That was very nuts. <laughs> vintage vintage Derrick Henry in that game and and I think what I think Todd Downing you know, followed the the same playbook that Arthur Smith did for a lot of his time in Tennessee, which is, hey, don't overthink it. Give the ball to 22. And they he did that over and over, and it it wore the Seahawks down. See, you know, when you look back at this game, I mean, obviously the Titans stepped up in the second half. It was a, it was a tough kind of win, and Ben, it, it was the same kind of win they've been getting under Vrabel now for a couple of years. They, they've won a lot of these games that you come away from it saying – you know, my gosh, how did they do that? How did they come back and find a way to win that game? And the answer almost always is Derrick Henry. That's usually how they, th- this was the exact example of a game in which Henry's not doing much, not doing much, not doing much. Boom, goes off. Boom, 60-yard run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. and, and it is frustrating if you're a Seattle because they did a pretty good job against Derrick for most of the game, right? But, uh, I mean, if you're the Seahawks, this is a really frustrating loss. They they had this thing won, and the Titans just hung around and hung around and and the Seahawks kind of let them do it. I think one of the more underrated aspects of this game for the Titans that I think should be encouraging for their fans is the defense played really well down the stretch. The defense won this game, I think, by keeping the Seahawks offense off the field a lot of the day, but especially at the end. The the last few Seahawks possessions, they didn't do much and honestly been the defense almost won the game. They 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 that did look like a safety. It did. It did. It did look like a safety. And yeah, I was looking at the numbers. You know, we, we did see those kind of those back breaking mistakes right from that secondary. I, I believe three plays of, you know, more than 50 yards, a, a 68 yard touchdown given up, a, a 63 yard touchdown given up uh, to, to Tyler Lockett. But other than that, right in, in that second half, they, they really did tighten up late in the game from like the 12 minute mark of the fourth quarter to the end of the game and into overtime that the Titans only gave up 47 yards of offense to a Seahawks offense that is as potent as any in the NFL with Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, all those cats. So that was a, a very promising showing something to, to build off of for sure. I think there was a, maybe a sense of ho- hopeless uh, Nis a, a little bit after that season opener, you know, new look defense, and then you produce the same result as you did last season. But I think we did start to see those strides last uh, in, in in Seattle. And then I, I think just one thing before we maybe get into those Titans who need to tighten up, I think just seeing Julio Jones be Julio Jones, I think that was mm-hmm. a very big deal for this uh, uh, Titans team. There, there was some concern of you know, is he going to be the the same kind of guy he's been throughout his career? And then obviously the lack of practice time with Ryan Tannehill throughout the summer. And then for him to really put on a, a vintage Julio performance, uh, you know, that that incredible leaping grab, I, I think, on third down where I think he had like two guys on, on him. And he, and he just I think Tannehill said he got a, it looked like he got up like nine feet and and it felt like that, too. Right. And, and then he had that. Uh, should have been, I think, a, a touchdown at the back of the end zone uh, later in the game. Really, really encouraging showing. And so, you know, I, I think, yeah, if, if you're this, if you're the Titans, you, you started to see why that that this offense is 
what was why they were as hyped as they were coming into the season and we started to see kind of bits and pieces of that kind of dynamic offense start to come together in yeah. uh, Seattle yeah it was it was uh, that was like I say you know who deserves the apologies after week one I think Julio Jones probably it's pretty high on that list he, he he showed up as 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 you expect Julio Jones would and uh you know really I, I think the there were two players going into that game. You were kind of waiting to see that from, and you knew what they were capable of. He was one of them. Taylor Lewan was the other. One of the the strange, just a strange moment before that game. You know, I was uh, there. We, you know, we were there in Seattle. You know, being on the field, I I, I watched Lewan jog out uh, early for warmups. He was he was fine. He was working out. He was he was singing along with the music. He was having a good time. He was Taylor Lewan like you would expect. And then out of nowhere, he he goes down and they're looking at his knee. The latest on that, Ben, is Taylor is practicing as of Wednesday, which is that's big. That's and he was re- full, full go too, not just limited. He was full go. So which, that, which means this was a this was a scare. It wasn't anything substantial. Exactly. exactly. So so they dodged the bullet there. I mean, there was that was his right knee, the same one that he had uh, that he had hurt last year. So, uh, you know, I think there's still some concerns with Taylor. I think they would have been there in, in Sunday's game anyway, uh, in terms of his confidence right now you know get it trusting especially i guess trusting that knee because because what happened on sunday isn't going to help there but um look everybody knows what uh what he's capable of and you know i know he wasn't great in week one but the titans are better with with taylor lawan than without him absolutely and so gentry let's go ahead and, and jump into our five titans that need to tighten up i think pretty high on that list is aj brown who had several uh, notable drops uh, against the Seahawks, targeted nine times, just three catches. Really, uh, and I think, Gentry, we, we've kind of seen games like that from, from AJ um, in the past where, where he, he just hasn't you know, always been able to, to finish these, these plays. But he, he absolutely is at or near the top of the list for, for Titans uh, that, that need to tighten up if we want to see this Titans offense really showcase that full potential, right? Like we saw flashes of it in Seattle. If AJ gets going, right? And then you know what Derek is going to do. And, and we saw the Julio of old in Seattle. If AJ can get going too, I mean, that's that's exactly what this dream offense is supposed to be. So I think he's AJ is, is pretty high up there in, in terms of guys who need to tighten up. Yeah, I think AJ. Should, I think he'll be fine. I think he he had just just a rough day, and I think as he said that he he kind of missed out on a play early, and then it it, it built on itself and kind of you know it got in his head a little bit. And I, you could kind of tell that. Um, you know, I, I I think everybody knows what he's capable of, and and again, I, as you said earlier, I think it's important when you ha- he has a day like that you have Julio Jones on the team to sit there and catch six balls for a hundred something yards. Um, and so again, yeah, you, you saw that, but we're this, this is going to lead into another guy on our list where it's like, you know, okay. I don't think it's a coincidence that you saw Derrick Henry catch six balls in this game, a career high for him. That, that was the biggest difference right there. And what we've seen from the past, the Titans offense now under Todd Downing is how much Derrick Henry was involved catching passes. They haven't really used him very much doing that. I think that's a direct reflection of you don't have as many, especially at tight end, you don't have as many options 
maybe in the passing game as you've had in the past. If you go look at the snap counts, AJ played a ton of snaps in this game. He played almost every snap. Julio wasn't far behind him. They did not substitute much. They didn't have much of a rotation going in at receivers. So, yeah, I think from the standpoint of our rankings, who's number one on the list of who needs to tighten up, yeah, it's A.J. Brown. We know what he's capable of. If he gets going the way he he has before and probably will again, you know, I think you know what to expect from this offense. We did see some glimpses of it, but, yeah, he, he, he could play a little better than he's played the first couple weeks. Number two, Gentry, for me on, on, on our list, Jack Rabbit Jenkins. Christian Fulton is – the Titans top quarterback top cornerback right now and I think that's kind of an issue I mean it's great that Christian Fulton is kind of living up to that hype as as a second round pick this year with with his opportunity with a great offseason but when you have a guy like Jack Rabbit Jenkins who you're paying 7.5 million a year and he's not your top cornerback considering the issues they've had I think that's that's a problem and in, in week one it was kind of the slipping and and then in week two, uh, to his credit, he did I think have have a some some good moments against DK Metcalf in, in coverage, whether it be on like a you know Keith or down or whatever. But overall, I I just don't think he's lived up to the expectations um, that that he kind of came he joined the team with, and you know being this lauded you know press man guy in his career, they the, the Titans really need that. Uh, throughout the, the course of this season as they you know kind of face more and more top notch receivers. So he he to me is is another guy who who really needs to tighten up. Yeah, I think it's it's still early uh for Jack Rabbit, but but yeah, I mean I he he has not been the Titans' best corner. The best corner at this point has been Christian Fulton. And mm-hmm. I, as encouraging as it has been to see Fulton grow into that quickly. Uh, this year because you know Fulton was a guy who was pretty much missing in action a lot last season so so to see the improvement there it's been huge they they that they needed Fulton about as bad as anyone on that defense to step in and do what he's doing right now but now the guy you weren't worried about yeah you need him to play up to that and you know we're talking about a guy who's been in this league a long time he knows what it means to play well uh he 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 does not scare easily when he looks across the line of scrimmage and sees some of the best receivers in the league because that's who he's used to dealing with. So uh, there's value in that, but you know, I think for the most part, I think I do think the Titans' coverage has been better uh, so far this season than it has been last season. But you need to be good at that number one spot, and uh, yeah, I agree. That's, there's another Titan up candidate. Another one, number three, Anthony Ferkser. He's He's been basically a non-factor, it, it seems so far. I mean, he was he was inactive against the Seahawks with an injury um, in that opener. I want to say he had a, he had a catch or two, but didn't really seem to have that big of an impact. And, and coming into the season, right, he he was one of the guys at the top of the list uh, who we believed would benefit from having Julio and AJ and just not having a, a lot of attention dedicated to him from opposing defenses with all this single coverage he was going to get in and all this space in, in the middle of the field I think we've really expected Anthony Ferkser to really step up and and if you remember in the offseason Kevin Byard was saying he he thinks Ferk can be a, a quote top-notch tight end and, and we just have we, we haven't seen that the Titans top tight end on uh, Sunday against Seattle was 
you know, Michael Pruitt, who wasn't with, with the Titans all offseason. You know, he, he's obviously a guy who, who's had background with Tennessee, but he wasn't with the team during the offseason, spent time with, with the 49ers and whatnot. And, and, he, and he was signed to the practice squad, a, a, I want to say, a week or two ago at this point, got signed to the active roster and was their top tight end against Seattle, you know, with, with his going at Jamal Adams, you know, some some nice blocks, catching some passes. So the fact that Anthony Ferkser hasn't stood out, and, and again, I know he he was hurt uh, kind of th- this past week, but I think he's a guy who, if you're the Titans, you absolutely need him to, to tighten up moving forward. Yeah, and, and in that game on Sunday, you had Jeff Swain uh, play 64 snaps, which was 73% of the offensive snaps for the Titans, and catch two balls for 10 yards. Um, that is a significant... He should be on the tighten up list, too. Well, that is a... But then he's a block... Yeah, you, I guess you kind of know what it, he brings. It, it shows... Exactly, and, and I think that's kind of the point. It, it shows that they're not getting nearly as much out of the tight end position in the passing game now as they did the last couple of years when John O. Smith was on this team. And that could be concerning moving forward for the Titans because Ferkser was supposed to be that guy. But, and, and he would look, he was hurt last game. You know, he, he went out there. I, you saw him before the game kind of try to get loosened up. He did make the trip and he just, he couldn't go. He's just inactive. And, uh, you know, look that, that happens. So you, you don't fault him for that. But at the same time, he's going to need to be a factor catching passes on this offense because I'm not sure there's anyone else at his position that can be. And uh, right now the Titans do not have a tight end. In my opinion, not, not a legitimate starting first string NFL tight end. They have it the whole time. That was a box. They never checked during the off season. Um, and now what happens? Okay. You see Derrick Henry catch six balls. So what happens? A lot of times the running backs catch more passes when the tight ends catch fewer ones and vice versa in an NFL offense. So you're seeing the Titans now go through that transition. Are they going to start throwing the ball more to the running back? Hey, look, I've been a proponent of throwing it more to Derrick Henry for for a while now. So I don't really see a problem with putting the ball in his hands ever under any circumstances. But they've leaned a lot on the tight ends here the last couple of years. So the lack of of contributions there, and you you got a guy like Pruitt who, who just, came came in right wasn't he in san francisco the whole preseason and they gathered him like right before the first and and granted he knew this team and he was stepping right in but you need a this is a team that has relied a lot on its tight ends uh here lately arthur smith certainly did and it's gonna it's gonna it's a concern to me especially when you don't have anthony ferkshire out there and the guys you do have out there, you only trust to throw it to twice. A guy like Jeff Swain, who, by the way, got beat for a sack for that strip sack as well. Absolutely. And and look, I, I don't know how many you know great games Pruitt has had, but that that's probably right up there in, in terms of the, the best games he's played in, in the NFL. And you just can't rely on that on on a rec, on a weekly basis with him. So that even just more. Uh, I think, you know, highlights your point of, of the Titans really needing more at that tight end spot. I think with Janu, as you mentioned, he was a dual threat guy, right? And and when you have a, a, a dual threat, versatile tight end like that, when he's in the game, an opposing defense doesn't really know what, what's going to happen, right? If you're looking to run the ball or, or if you're looking to pass, because Janu was a factor in, in both, right? But but Swaim is just kind of a blocker and and... Ferkser is just kind of a pass catcher. And so 
I think, yeah, the, they, the Titans didn't address that tight end spot all offseason. We said it'd be a problem, and it's kind of looked like a problem so far this season. So to move on for uh, our tighten up candidate number four, uh, Dane Crookshank. Titans released Bradley McDougald, who had a really, really rough go uh, against his old team, the, the Seahawks, over the weekend. He was kind of makes you wonder, by the way, if they were just keeping him around to face his old team. Just, just, just throwing that out there. Just throwing yeah. that out there. No, that's that's a fair point. That 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 is a, a legitimate thought. Regardless, he, he did play bad, and, and he did start, right? He played the majority of the game, and, and th- in the back end, he was just getting scorched. So, Crookshank is the guy who, who figures to be next in line, and this is a really big opportunity for him because he's been hurt so much to start his career um, in Tennessee. You know, former fifth-round pick a couple years ago, started out as kind of a core special teams guy, was kind of looking for him to ascend into uh, you know more maybe a, a bigger kind of defensive role, but then he missed. Um, I want to say, if not all of last year, most of last year. So this is his opportunity, right? And and at this point, the Titans haven't signed another safety. Amani Hooker is going to be on IR um, for a little bit longer here, so he absolutely needs to tighten up. You know, it's pretty amazing if you look at Crookshank's time in Tennessee. You're talking about a fifth round draft pick who has been able to stay around this team the whole time, despite hardly any snaps on defense. Uh, yeah. he's been, he's been really good on special teams. Um, but if you're looking for defensive numbers, they're, they're just not there. And, uh, it's amazing that a guy who's made his way pretty well in this league so far without doing a whole lot defensively is now finally getting that opportunity. And you got to figure, um, you know, if this doesn't work out, I don't know if there's another one for him. You know, this is kind of what it's been building to. I, I I've thought all along that you know, Crookshank was an interesting option for them on the back end because you got to believe they're they're keeping him around because they think he can play. And so we're about to to find out. I think you know him being on this list is probably not a knock on him to this point. But if you're talking about somebody who needs to tighten up, yeah, yeah, they, they need to yeah. tighten up. I, you know, it was mentioned too, Ben. I, I'm curious. How, how much they would consider uh, the option of Kenny Vaccaro, who's still available and was starting in that exact position for the last few years. Um, I do wonder how you could get a pretty good deal uh, on Vaccaro right now. My guess is, you know, Kenny knows what he's worth. He's been around this league a long time, so he's probably sitting out there, you know, choosing to wait and see what happens so we can get what he's worth. But it's just an interesting option that the guy who... Uh, started alongside Kevin Byard is available right now and could come in and probably start tomorrow for him. Yeah, I think, yeah. And we don't know what, what Vaccaro situation is, but probably at this point too, you, you, you'd assume you could get him on, on a vet minimum deal if you have reached out to him. So, but, but yeah, we, we don't, and know I will what, say what there's some personal, personal, <laughs> Kenny Vaccaro is one of the, uh, I thought was one of my favorite guys on that team to talk to. He's a great interview and really thoughtful guy. And that would be, uh, I personally would be a fan of having him back on the Titans. Let me just throw that out there. Absolutely. Um, so to move on to our fifth and final Titan up candidate, Dylan Radins, uh, Gentry, we know how with, you know, Mike Vrabel rookies need to 
earn their way? Would, would the team kind of need to earn their spot on the roster? And we understand kind of the the transition that you know Raidens has had to the NFL after not really he didn't really have a season last year, and then also making the transition from a small school like North Dakota State is a really big jump. But, you know, he is your second round pick. And at this point, you know, in week three of the season, he's not your second string. He's not like your top backup at offensive tackle. And he's not even what was really crazy. We were talking about this in week two, right? When Roger Saffold went down, Raidens wasn't even the top guard option to, to fill in for Saffold when he went out. They, they went instead with with Aaron Brewer. And so when your second second round offensive lineman isn't really he, he's not he's not a second string option at any of your positions um on the o-line uh you know third fourth stringer at, at this point it is a, a concern and so he needs to step up i mean he, he, he and and again like i said yeah the, the transition maybe is it a whole deal with him and and the, the titans have asked him to play kind of all the spots i think the expectation was that maybe he'd just be the assume the right tackle spot and, and they have kind of played him all around but the fact that he's not even your backup option at guard at this point is, is uh kind of a, a little worrisome here i've got a trivia question i'm gonna surprise you with ben uh, out of the five that we've listed here um crookshank makes the fewest i'll go ahead and tell you he, he has the lowest salary but who's the next lowest do you, do you think Next lowest is Raidens. No, Dylan Raidens makes more than AJ Brown. Oh, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Dylan Raidens, uh, he makes slightly more. They were both second round picks. Um, so I just find that interesting. You know, you you drafted. Huh. I I don't I don't want to call an offensive lineman a bust after two weeks, uh, especially when the offensive lineman they drafted last year redefined what a bust looks like in the NFL. To be honest, so I think Raiden's you know has some ability, but it's 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 been it's been concerning since the start of preseason. You drafted him to be a tackle, then you figured out real quick, and eh, nah, we're gonna play him at guard. And it's like, well, okay, so is he a tackle? Is he a guard? You know, he's got to be active in this game because Taylor Lewan gets hurt. Well, they, you know, they've got Tyson Brillo came in, played well, left tackle. But you figure, you know, Raiden's is active. Is he going to be your backup at guard? No, no. Saffold gets hurt. Raiden's in your backup at guard. So, you know, it, it's the type of thing that had Taylor Lewan not gotten hurt, Raiden's probably wouldn't have been active for this game. And you draft a second round offensive lineman to at least be able to play. Even you, you hope he's a starter. I mean, look, Trey Smith from Tennessee is killing it for the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, he was what like a fifth round pick. I want to say sixth uh, round pick, and he's yeah. And we yeah. all knew it too. Anybody in Tennessee could have told you that absolutely Trey Smith. And so I do wonder about the scouting process that values a guy from North Dakota State in the second round over Trey Smith. Even I knew, and, and granted, we talk all day about Trey Smith, and there were health issues and all kind. But 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 I'm just saying. That guy, Trey Smith, was able to come in and play in the NFL right away. Dylan Radens, a guy you take in the second round, wasn't. And that doesn't mean he's not going to be a good player, but the Titans are pretty banged up right now on the offensive line. So, yeah, this is the second year in a row I'm sitting here saying this. You know, gosh, that high draft pick that you put on the offensive line should be nice if he could, he could play for you. 
And uh, they dealt with that last year too. Obviously a much different situation with Isaiah Wilson, but it's, it's, it has to be frustrating to take a guy that high and then not be able to use him when you need him early in the season in a big game like that. Absolutely. Well, Gentry, that's, that's it with the tighten up candidates. We should maybe go into our predictions for Titans Colts this weekend Colts their their quarterback situation no one really knows what's going to happen there Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles his status is murky maybe second year quarterback Jacob Eason will start for them but regardless Gentry who who do you have winning this game on Sunday at Nissan Stadium yeah the 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 I do think the Colts are going to be a hungry team I I think they're going to be a desperate team looking for a win in this game the quarterback situation, though, that's a real concern for them because, um, look, I, I I covered Jacob Eason a little bit as a recruit uh, when he first went to Georgia. You may know him as I mean, Ben, you're, he's, you're he's a Seattle you're, area kid too. Yeah, yeah. So so we've we've crossed some some paths with Jacob Eason, and, and I think, and I'm gonna tell you, when that kid was in high school, and a high school prospect, he was considered one of the best players in the country. He looked like Dan Marino to me. He really <laughs> did. He's huge. He's like six five, six six, big big dude. Big arm, just slinging the ball over the place, making all kinds of throws. So I think what what held Jacob Easton back, uh, at least at Georgia, and maybe you know to this point in his pro career, has been maybe an, an understanding of of the offense, maybe some of the things that are going on out there, uh, and he's still growing into that in the league. I think he's the kind of quarterback that if the Colts had to put together a a, a, a simple one week get through get us through the game plan. For Jacob Eason, I, I think they could do it, and I think it would be reasonably effective. I think Jacob Eason's trouble would be when D coordinators started figuring him out two, three, four weeks down the line. I think on a one-week basis, they could come up with something that could scare the Titans. Having said that, it's just a tough ask if you're Indy uh, to come in and, and, and beat the Titans in Nashville with a quarterback that you have absolutely no idea what you're going to get out of him. And I don't see, you know, if, if Carson Wentz has two sprained ankles, I don't see him playing. So I'll go with the Titans because I just don't, I, I don't like where the Colts seem to be right now, even though I think they're, they're a scary team with a lot of talent. And if they, they're sitting there at 0 three, they're a lot better knowing three, but, uh, but they're staring it down right now. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm thinking Titans, uh, when, when this one as well, I, I do think, I mean, regardless of these issues they're having on offense, you know, the, the quarterback situation, as we've said, and then their offensive line, which is supposed to be incredible, has been super banged up. And, and they just got Eric Fisher back. And then I think their right tackle is out or has been in and out. So ton of, tons of issues there. But defensively, this defense is still very capable. And then obviously their run game is real solid. I, I think the Titans will win this one. Uh, but but I think that they, they you know won't score as many points as as they did in in Seattle. I could see this game being more of a low score game, but but yeah, I, I think just with with, your, with the quarterback situation Indy is dealing with, I think is just too tall um, of an ask for them to come to 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 Nashville and take down a, a Titans team that has a lot of uh, confidence right now after what happened in Seattle. Um, but but I think one thing to one thing to note also, Gentry, is that the road team has won in this series like each of the last, I want to say, four or five times. So for whatever reason, that's just kind of been a fluke thing. Uh, and I, I think, too, it's helped the Colts. The Colts won the first meeting between these two. And then what happened when the Titans went back to Indy, that's when they played 
well and won. And I, I think there's a Derrick Henry factor to that. I swear I do. I, you saw it last year. Uh, those three AFC South opponents, whenever they played Derrick a second time, they 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 wanted no part of him. Uh, he he absolutely ran crazy in all those games. And I think there's probably something to that with the Colts this time. They're going to get the Titans again in Week Eight, I think. And so, I you might like the Colts a little better if it wasn't for the quarterback situation. I mean, really, I, I probably would pick the Colts to win this game if it wasn't for Carson Wentz being out and you just don't know what you're going to get with Jacob Eason. That, that's, that's asking an awful lot of a guy like that to come in and try to win this game. And I, and I think, you know, they're probably going to sit there and hand the ball to Jonathan Taylor a lot and try to, to keep it on the ground a little bit if uh, Wentz is hurt. And you know what? The Titans have done pretty well against the run last couple yeah. weeks. Go look at Chris Carson's numbers on Sunday. He averaged about two yards a carry and didn't do – I think his longer run for the game was eight. They did well. Chris Carson's a pretty good back. They did pretty well against him. So I – um. You know, you could you could say that the Titans defense has some issues at the secondary and the, some of the big plays. Been pretty good up front though. Been really good up front. I've liked uh, and I've liked the guy they added who was on the Indianapolis Colts last year and is going to be ready to play this game and Danico Autry. So I think that's going to help the Titans a lot that he's he's on the uh, home sideline on Sunday. Absolutely. And just one more thing before we kind of break is that I think you know if the Titans win, I mean they're they're going to be coasting in this division. It seems like because if the Colts lose, they're zero and three. I don't know what the 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 um, the the record is for teams in NFL history that have made the playoffs after zero and three, but I can guarantee you it's marginally like it, it's so small. Uh, and then we know the Jaguars aren't going to be a factor. The Texans, any optimism they may have had. Uh, is gone after Tyrod with Tyrod Taylor on IR. So if the Titans can can start, I mean, it's still so early in the season, right? But I, I think if Titans the Titans win this, I mean, they're they're looking really good. Like what we all I think anticipated heading into this season, this was the Titans' division to lose. But I think we're really kind of seeing the man- manifestation of that just with the Colts' issues that they're having. If they can really, as Mike Vrabel would say, take advantage of their opportunity this week, I think they're looking that they're in really good shape. Uh, for the long haul. All right. Well, that'll, uh, that'll do it for this edition of talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com If you haven't already, remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google play, wherever it is, you get your podcast, drop us a review and a rating while you're at it for Ben Arthur. I'm Gentry Estes. Thanks for listening. See you guys later. Talking Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talking Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talking Titans is a production of the Tennessean. 